the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and if I put, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The famous flower of Manhattan. It's one of my favorite songs by a band called the Abbott Brothers. And I love this song because if you hear it, it's pure poetry and it tells a beautiful story. It's the story of a person walking through the fields of Manhattan, the fields of cars and people, rows of concrete, paint, and steel. And this person comes upon a flower growing up through it all. After spotting this seemingly misplaced flower, this person's first thought is to cut it from its stem, to take it from the cracks between the bricks that it lay in to save it from city strife. But before such a travesty could happen, someone whispers in this person's ear, don't touch it, it loves you not. The lyrics of the song go on to say, because bluebirds don't fly without their wings. And when we put them in a cage, the world can't hear them sing. So selfish when greed sets in, possession, the king of sin. So this person leaves the flower be. Then a day later, sees the flower on cable TV, 
And this person says, much prettier than here with me, for all the world to see. The story of this song is so compelling to me because it's even more than just a story or a song. I believe it's an allegory for life. It speaks to a more eternal truth that the more we try to possess something for ourselves, the more that we end up removing it from the public to enjoy. We end up caging it, stifling its full potential for beauty by holding it back from being whole and free. But we justify to ourselves why we should possess things. Like the person in this song says, I can save it. Or we tell ourselves that private property is necessary because we innately take better care of our things when we privately own them. And maybe there is some truth to that. But then again, there's also evidence that when we do take private possession of things, we desecrate them. I think about this any time that public land is purchased and developed. Sure, it's legal and private property in our legal system is often regarded more highly than even human life. But our own St. Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. In our first reading tonight from Acts 4, we have a vision of one of the first Christian communities. It says, now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy one among them, for as many as owned land or houses sold them and bought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is a model of what it looks like to build one another up. But I immediately feel a knee-jerk reaction in myself to just disregard this as an unrealistic utopia that would never actually work in the real world. Like Thomas, I hear my inner monologue saying, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I'll sell my possessions and give the proceeds to the community, but you first. But I think we shouldn't be so quick to write this community off as though it were just an anomaly. In our very own city, we have a community of folks that strive to live out this scripture in the 21st century. They're called Jesus People USA, or Japusa, as they're also known. And they're a community of about 200 people living together in intentional community in a 10-story building right in here in Uptown. What makes their community radically different is that they practice what is called a common purse. Under this model, no one in their community gets paid directly for their work. Instead, the money earned from their mission businesses goes into a common purse from which communal needs are covered. This ranges from toiletries and food to mortgage payments and utilities. On their website, it says, by combining our monetary resources into a common fund, we are able to free individuals to give themselves 
wholly to the work of ministry and family life. This kind of model of community, it's amazing to consider. It simultaneously fills my mind with possibility, but I also feel the doubt in my mind grow. I almost feel like it's easier to trust the resurrection of Jesus than my neighbor who might abuse or exploit the common purse to their own individual gain at the expense of the entire community. But Japusa recognizes the faith and trust that this model requires. They go on to say on their website, in this act of trust and faith, Jesus people is able to take the resources we have and together do so much more for God than we could ever do alone. In our Psalm today, it says, how good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. First John goes on to appeal to the joy of intimate fellowship that we have in Christ, writing this, declare, we declare to you the eternal life that is with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus Christ, the Son. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Unity is good and pleasant in the psalm. And in 1 John, the fellowship with one another and with the triune God, it makes our joy complete. These scriptures support this model of community in Acts 4. Specifically that wholeness and freedom is achieved through a shared common good that builds up not a fractured, competitive, everyone-for-themselves system that breaks down. These scriptures and even our gospel reading today call into question whether or not we can or should even possess that which we can touch or hold in our hands. When Jesus appears to the, to the disciples and Thomas is somehow not there, Jesus ends up coming back a week later. And Thomas is then invited to put his finger in the wounds on Jesus' hand and his side. But even though Thomas is invited to experience this intimate moment with Jesus, Thomas doesn't then somehow possess Jesus privately. Because Jesus, in his resurrected form, cannot personally be commodified or possessed. Jesus died and rose again to free us all and to make the whole world whole again. Try as we may to put Jesus in our pocket for our own personal comfort or use. Jesus' peace and breath of the Holy Spirit rests on all disciples equally and abundantly. Like Thomas, we may have our doubts about whether or not we can actually trust whether or not we can actually trust our neighbors enough to hold our possessions in common. But this whole world is created by God, and we are simply stewards of it. So can we even claim private ownership of property, knowing who the source of all things is and who these things actually belong to? I preach this sermon knowing that it's likely that none of us will be leaving this service today and 
going to sell off all our stuff. But maybe today's scriptures have challenged you like they've challenged me. And in our hymn of the day today, we are about to sing, we will proclaim these words. Christ has risen forever and lives to challenge and to change all those whose lives are messed or mangled. Looking around, it's easy to see where our personal or our communal, communal lives are messed or mangled. And that might cause us to fear and to retreat into our own internal privacy, doubling down on our self-preserving ways. But the challenge of the risen Christ today is to consider what is even ours to possess and steward and what is to be held in common. Like the famous flower of Manhattan, some things are just best left untouched, undisturbed for all the world to see. The same is true of Jesus' resurrected body. It's something we are invited, like Thomas, to touch and to see and to experience, but never to privately possess. For just as Jesus was sent into this world, sent to us to share his peace and Holy Spirit with us, we too are sent to share ourselves and to share the spirit of the living God with others. That is to live as Easter people, to trust, to share, and to experience the good, pleasant, and complete joy that is built up when we are of one heart and soul. Amen.